You're listening to St. Pius 10th Catholic Church in Lafayette, Louisiana. Thank you for joining us. As we continue this time between Christmas and Ash Wednesday, uh, we have basic lessons of our spiritual life and how we are to maybe do a check before entering into Lent. And I know during this carnival season, uh, we uh, have a lot of distractions and a lot of things that are going on that uh, are good things, as long as they're done temperately and moderately, right? Good things. Uh, but at the same time, they take time and, and maybe take time away from preparing for Ash Wednesday. And the basic reading for today is, as we prepare is to remind all of us about the two greatest dangers to the spiritual life. The two greatest dangers to the spiritual life, and they've been there all throughout history, trust or lack thereof and fear. Trust and fear. Do we trust God and do we fear following him? And those two things throughout all of history have been things that have diminished the ability of the people of God to follow him. And so we look at our first reading today uh, from the book of Deuteronomy and you know, what more can you say about what the Israelites had seen? They had seen God free them from slavery to the Egyptians. God parted the Red Sea and they went across. They were then following the cloud, right? The cloud. And that's what Moses is referring to, by the way, when he says that you, you asked for this and so God is going to give it to you. And he says that this is exactly what you requested of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let us not again hear the voice of the Lord our God nor see this great fire anymore lest we die. And so there was a fear of God. And what he's referring to is back in the day, so to speak, they were following the cloud and the fire, the, the cloud by day, the fire by night. And there was a fear, trepidation of going near it. So Moses is the one who went up and he was the one appointed the mediator. And so now later Moses is saying, okay, now we're going to have prophets. And of course they came, right? Jeremiah, Isaiah, all of those great prophets of the Old Testament that God raised up. But it was fear, even after having seen what God had done for them, that they didn't trust him. When they got hungry in the desert, how is he going to feed us? He's not going to feed us. And so we think of those two things from the very beginning as being dangers to the spiritual life. And then we move into our gospel reading, someone teaching with authority. And you have to understand what Jesus is doing here in the synagogue is something that is very different from what the prophets or the rabbis would do. The rabbis, when they would talk to the people in the synagogue, they would always point to authority. They'd point to authority. The rabbi would do a teaching and then they would say a book that we might not be as familiar with, like say the Talmud or another book, another historical book that would back up what they were saying. And then the prophets would speak not on their own, but they would speak with what you would say a delegated authority. And that's why we see in scripture with all of the prophets, you know, thus says the Lord, not thus says me, 
thus says the Lord. And so those folks were not saying what they were saying in the synagogues based upon their own authority, but the authority of someone else. So when they're saying that Jesus here is speaking with authority, what they're saying is he's speaking on his own. He's not pointing to an older book or an historical book or scripture or anything else. And he's not saying, thus says the Lord. He's saying, I'm saying this. I am saying this. And so that authority, the establishment of authority is so crucial to alleviating fear and trust. In other words, you can trust what he says. You can trust what he says. He is the one. And that authority goes all the way down to us today, the authority of Christ in our apostolic church. Jesus gave the apostles authority. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And he's speaking to the apostles. He consecrated them in the truth. They gave them teaching authority. He said, go and make disciples of all the nations. But he followed up by saying, and teach them what I have commanded you. And then to just make it clear that they had his authority in the upper room, where St. Thomas doubted, right? We always remember that scripture passage for that. He goes even further. And he says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And he gave them a divine power to forgive sins, right? Who sins you forgive are forgiven, who sins you retain are retained. And in our apostolic church, we can find and trust in the authority that God has given to it. But we still have in our hearts a fear of following him. And that's why Jesus says, most often in scripture, be not afraid. Be not afraid. The most common line in all of the New Testament, be not afraid. Because in order to follow Christ, what do we have to give up? We have to give up us. We have to give up our autonomy. We have to give up our will. We have to conform our will to his and his church. And that's not easy. That is not an easy task, but it's what we're called to do. And when we do those things, we think of our responsorial psalm, the hard heart. If we have too much, if we have fear and trust, or lack thereof, then we tend to harden our hearts. I'm not going to hear the word of God. And that's what a hard heart is. And I've mentioned this many, many times. It's always bears repeating is that a hard heart does not mean a cold heart. Doesn't mean that we're unpleasant. It doesn't mean that, that somehow we're not warm or nice to another person or kind or those kind of things. A hard heart means that we're not accepting the word of God. And usually it's because of a lack of trust or fear. And so Jesus is trying to come with that authority and to quell the distractions that we have. That's our second reading. I always kind of get a kick out of that second reading. It's obviously one of the readings that would promote celibacy. Um, it goes on to say, by the way, he's not too bad on marriage because I see, I see married couples and I see what they do for their kiddos and I wonder how y'all do it. I just, I just don't know. I, I mean, everybody says that I have a lot on my plate. I said, uh-uh, no, not compared to what I see. I grew up in a big family, so I'm, the older I get, the more I realize what my mother and father did for me. 
But he does go on later to say, by the way, that the married couple does well. It's just that the undivided heart does better. And so when we think of imitating Christ, and for those who wonder about celibacy sometimes, this is one of the passages. And of course, we can't say the least of which is following Christ and imitating him, and he himself never married. But anyway, they're talking about anxieties and removing distractions, right? To be able to focus on Christ, to have that relationship, in order in that relationship to come to not fear him and to trust him and then to follow him.